Welcome everyone to Tour Today Ministries and our continuing series, Parsha Seasonings. And this week we find ourselves in Torah portion, Noach or Noah. Um, I'm always struggling to decide whether to use the traditional English pronunciation of Hebrew names or to stick with the more uh, accurate pronunciation of these names. So um, I'm always going back and forth. I want the names to be recognizable to you, but I want to be as accurate as possible as well. So when it comes to Noah, I'm going to refer to him as Noach, as you see it spelled here on the screen. Noah's name is only two letters long, Nun and Chet, as you can see. And we're told in Genesis 6-8, which is the last verse of last week's Torah portion, Bereshit, in the last verse of that portion, it says, But Noach found chen, found grace in the eyes of Adonai. Now, you notice something very interesting about the name Noach here on the left and the word chen, grace, on the right. And that is, they're spelled with the same two letters. You take the name Noach, nun, chet, and just reverse it, it becomes chet, nun, which means grace. Now Noah's name means rest, and one of the things I have found consistent through the scriptures and in my own life is when we walk in the grace of Adonai, we find rest unto our souls. And, um, and Yeshua himself invites those who are weary and heavy laden to come to him, and he'll give them rest. And the reason we find rest in him is because of his chen, his grace. Now, you may look at this and think, well, wait a minute, this letter here does not look like this letter here. Uh, well, they are both the same letter, the letter Nun. But Nun is one of the five letters in the Hebrew alphabet that changes shape when it appears at the end of a word. So it changes shape to this that you see here because it's at the end of the word. Otherwise, if it's in the beginning or somewhere in the middle, it is shaped like this. So you'll see this often as we go through teachings. Now, one of the things I want to share with you is, uh, is something that uh, is not really a Parsha seasoning, so to speak, but it's something you might find of interest. It says in chapter 6, verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And this word for violence, Hamas, is a word that also is attached often to theft because theft in the ancient world was accompanied by violence. Uh, there weren't so much cat burglars back in the ancient times as there were men who would just ride in with noise and bring confusion and, and alarm and with violence, take what they want and then ride off. So Hamas captures both of these. And the reason I bring this up is because this is the name of the uh, Palestinian terrorist group, which you often hear referred to as Hamas. Uh, it's actually Hamas, and it comes from this word. Uh, just a little note, when you see the letter H appear in a commentary or in the news or anywhere else, and there's a dot underneath the H, that means that H is to be pronounced as a ch, as Hamas. So Hamas is actually Hamas. It's violent theft. Now, this next insight is something I brought up 
in a recent um, Hebrew key teaching. I believe it was the one called The Ark and the Matriarchs. I encourage you to watch that. But I, this insight is so important, I don't want to neglect it here as well, because this is where it actually occurs in Scripture. But in Genesis 6.15, it says, This is how you are to make it, referring to the ark, Noah's ark. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. 300, 50, and 30. Now, one of the rabbis in ancient times discovered an amazing insight. Here you see God's name spelled yud Hey vav Hey. There are three letters, yud Hey and vav and the Hey is repeated again at the end. So it's yud Hey vav and then Hey once again. And the letters have numerical values. Yud equals 10. Hey equals 5, Vav equals 6, and there's the other Hey, which also equals 5. And this, of course, adds up to 26. Now, many times in the scripture, instead of God's full name spelled out Yod Hey Vav Hey, we find his name simply spelled Yod Hey, which we know is pronounced Yah. When you put all four letters together, then there are all kinds of possibilities as to how this name can be pronounced. But when you find it spelled Yud and He alone, we know it's Yah. So, if you take Yud and He and you multiply their values, 10 times 5, you derive the sum of 50. So, if we're going to multiply the first two letters, let's also take the last two letters, Vav and He. If you multiply Vav times He, 6 times 5, you derive the sum of 30. And if you take the three letters which comprise God's name, yud Hey and Vav, and multiply them, 10 times 5 times 6, you derive the sum 300. Do those numbers look familiar? They are the measurements of the ark. So the dimensions of the ark reflect the number values of God's name. Why is this? God speaks to us through pictures. He, especially any spiritual truth and insight, cannot really be communicated accurately through words alone. We need pictures. This is why the Master speaks through parables and why the stories of the scriptures, though I believe them to be literally true, they are also spiritual pictures. A picture, after all, is worth a thousand words. So if we can learn to unpack the pictures and the images and the symbols in Scripture, we'll find depths of meaning that otherwise remain hidden from our, from our view. So if we look at the ark, you realize that everything that was in the ark was spared. It escaped death. But if you were outside the ark, well, you died. The ark is a picture of our redeeming God. And if we are in Him, we are saved. We're rescued. And we know that life awaits us, not death. But if you're outside of His redeeming grace, if you're outside of our redeeming God, well, all bets are off. So the ark is a picture of God's salvation which comes through Yeshua. 
There are so many images here about uh, Messiah and our redeeming God's grace that we just don't have time to look into all of them now. But I encourage you to, um, to take a look yourself. And when we come to next week's Torah portion, which describes the building of the Tower of Babel, we'll take some time to compare that tower with the ark. And you'll find some fascinating insights there, I'm sure. But to continue this theme, uh, let's go on down to verse 16. It says, And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And Adonai closed up behind him. Closed up. That is the word vayisgor. Vayisgor. It actually means and closed up. Vayisgor. Now this word appears here in only one other place in the Torah. And that was back in Genesis 2.21. Where God creates a bride for Adam. It says, So Adonai Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, and I should have corrected that, it wasn't a rib, it was a side. He took one of Adam's sides. I don't know how that slipped through, forgive me. Um, but there's a different word for rib. This word here is a side. He took one of Adam's entire sides and closed up by yeast gore its place with flesh. Now think about this for a moment. There was one entrance into the ark. This is how you went in, and this is how you came out. And it says, in God, Yisgore, he closed up the door of the ark. But there was something in the side of Adam that, out of which God created a bride for Adam, Yisgore, and he closed up the place where he took that side. And if we think of Messiah, when he was on the cross, when he had died and given his life, it says that they ran a spear into his side. Out came blood and water. And that reminds me of, of what we're told about Moses when he read the Book of the Covenant before the people and he sprinkled upon them the blood of the covenant. But Hebrews tells us it was blood mixed with water. So we see this theme of sides, the side of Messiah, the side of the ark, the side of Adam. This theme of a bride, because the bride are the ones who are in God's saving grace in the ark. They're the ones who are created out of the side of Messiah, just as Eve is created out of the side of Adam. We see this blood and water, which was something that sealed the covenant with the people. And it's something that flowed out of the side of Messiah. There's so many images here. I'll leave it to you to stitch them together. But if you're on the same wavelength as I am right now, you're starting to see some pictures open up and how the theme of God's redemption unfolds for us here in the Torah and all through the scriptures. It's a, an amazing thing. This is why, even though we see various authors of the books of the Bible, we know there's one author of authors, and that is God himself speaking to us through the words of Scripture. Now, we, we ducked into last week's Torah portion by looking at Noah's name and how in reverse it spells the word uh, chen, grace. 
Uh, we're going to dip back into last week's tour portion once again as we close, because this is just too good to skip. And I didn't have time to include it in the previous uh, Parsha Seasonings teaching. And if we look in chapter 5, it's one of those long, boring chapters that gives genealogies, names, and, and, and ages of people, when they got married, who their kids were, and how old they were when they died. And it's that part of the Bible that we normally just kind of skim through, read through fast, because we don't think there's any spiritual meat there. Well, let's take a moment, and let's look at these ten generations of Adam, from Adam down to Noah, okay? So there are ten generations listed there. So let's start with Adam and what these names mean. And I encourage you to always look up the meaning of a name when you see it in the Bible. Some names are a bit cryptic. We don't know exactly what they mean, and they can mean various things, but others are just as clear as day as to what their meanings are. So if you want to deepen your Bible study, look up the names and the meanings of the names. There are various uh, dictionaries out there you can purchase or consult probably online that will give you the meanings of Bible names. So Adam, Adam means man. It's one of the words for man. And then Seth, whose name is really pronounced shaped, means appointed or set. You know, you can take his name set, and maybe we got our English word set from that. It means to set it in place, to appoint it. His son's name was Enosh. And Enosh, if you've listened to any of the Psalms teachings, uh, Enosh is also another word that is used for man. But it always refers to man in his corrupted state, in his state of, of mortality, of short life, and the tendency to degrade over time. It, it refers to the weakness of man. So uh, the best way to define the name Enosh is subject to death. His son's name was Kenan, which means sorrowful or lamenting. We get our English word tekin. Maybe you've heard that when uh, people are grieving over the death of someone, they will cry out loud. That's called keening. Mahalalel. Now you'll recognize the last part of this, or in Hebrew it's the, it's the middle part. Halel means to praise. Halalel means to praise God. That's where we get the word hallelujah. Praise Yah. So, uh, Mahalalel, when you put the mem in front, means from the praise of God. From the Halel of El. So, from the praise of God. And then Yared, or Jared, as it may say in your Bible. It's actually Yared. And this is where we get the word Jordan, Jordan River. Because the Jordan River flows down from the Sea of Galilee on down to the Dead Sea. But Yared means to descend. So, being a name, it means one descends. Chinan means learning obedience. Akinok, I'm sorry. Chinok means learning obedience. Matushalak, or Methuselah, as your Bible may put it, is a really fascinating name. And it, it, it comes from this. The word mut means death. When Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God had told Adam that if you eat of the tree of knowledge, it says, mot yamut, 
dying you shall die. Mot or mut means death. And the last three letters, shalach, means uh, to send. Um, a, a Hebrew apostles called a shaliach, one who was sent. So matu means his death he sends, or upon his death he will send, or dying he shall send, Methuselah. And what's interesting is that Methuselah, Methuselah, lived for 969 years. The oldest man in history, the oldest man in the Bible. Because apparently there was a prophecy that attended his birth that when Methuselah would die, God would send destruction on the earth. And if you do the arithmetic, you find out that when Methuselah died, that was the year the flood came. So Noah's life and Methuselah's life overlapped. And um, so, dying, he will sin. When Methuselah dies, the destruction comes upon the earth. But we can see God's hesitance to wipe out life on the earth because he kept Bethusa alive for so long, longer than the other man, 969 years. So though God, on the one hand, prophesied the destruction, the death of all living things when Methuselah died, he was hesitant to do it. So he kept Methuselah alive for such a long time. And then just a couple more. We have Lamech which means to, la means to or towards, and mak is a word for the poor, the lowly, and the noach, whose name means rest, as we saw before. Now, if we take these ten names and take their meanings, look at the message we derive. Man, appointed, subject to death, sorrowful and lamenting, from the praise of God one descends, learning obedience. Dying, he shall send to the poor and lowly rest. Now, I'm not making this up. This is the message of these ten names. Now, if you look at it carefully, you clearly see the gospel message. Because man, it describes his, his state here in the first four words. Man, appointed, subject to death, sorrowful, lamenting. We're a mess. But from the praise of God, one descends, learning obedience. And we're told that in the book of Hebrews, that he learned obedience. Messiah learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Learning obedience, dying he shall send to the poor and lowly rest. You know what? What a God we have who can encode into his word such deep messages of his grace and salvation. You may wonder, well, why is this so hidden in here? Because God loves playing this game, a divine game of hide-and-seek. He seeks us, just as Messiah came to seek and to save that which is lost. And then he says, okay, now you come and seek me, seek my face. And as Solomon wrote, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search out a matter. And there are few things that give me more joy than searching out the things of God's Word and making discoveries and finding Him, His hiding place in His Word. So I encourage you to do the same. It's uh, the adventure of a lifetime. And I hope that you've been blessed by this brief teaching. And, and I look forward to speaking with you again at our next Torah portion. 
And until then, I wish you shalom and may God bless. That's a wrap.